Well, this is an introductory message to Genesis. Next week will be one of the most exciting messages that you're going to hear because we're going to show you about the age of the earth, the origin of Satan, and how it's all laid out in the book of Genesis. The Bible says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's such a statement. It doesn't try to defend a position. It stands apart from everything else. It doesn't start with pre-existing matter or trying to tell you where God came from. Simply states that God created the heavens and the earth. When you study the book of Genesis, especially the first 12 chapters, every major doctrine in the Bible is introduced in the book of Genesis. If you don't understand the first 12 chapters, you'll be off the rest of the way through the scriptures. Let me tell you some of the things that are introduced in those first 12 chapters. First of all, there is the doctrine of God, who is God. Then there is the origin of mankind. Where did we come from? It's clear in Scripture that God created us. And so we understand creation is a major doctrine in the Scripture. We didn't evolve. We didn't just happen. We weren't created out of pre-existing matter. We simply were created by God. The, the creation of the universe is defined in Scripture. In fact, it's in chapter 1 in verse 14 that it says, God created the sun, the moon, and the stars also. And they were for times and seasons and days and for years. We also understand the concept of sin, what went wrong. You can tell where everyone's coming from in terms of their worldview by a couple of questions. Where did we come from? What went wrong? And how do we fix it? You see, if you say, well, we evolved, that's where we came from. I said, okay, what went wrong? Shouldn't we be ever evolving into better human beings? It looks to me like there's a de-evolution of human beings. The man, mankind is not getting kinder or gentler or smarter. We seem to be getting worse. There's also the doctrine of salvation is introduced. How do we come back to God? We understand Satan He's introduced to us as the tempter who brings sin through Adam into the world. We understand the doctrine of angels in the book of Genesis. We also see that glimpse of the Messiah as he's introduced in the scripture through that birth of, uh, that will come in the future from the seed of, of Eve. We also understand the second coming. We see Enoch is there in chapter 5, and he's uh, somehow taken out, and we understand that. We understand in chapter 12 and then in 15 the doctrine of Israel. Where did the Jews come from? Why did God take them? You see, Abraham was actually Babylonian, and God pulled him out of Babylon, and he called him his people. And the word Hebrew comes from his father's name, which was Heber, Eber, with a rough breathing mark over it, so where we get our word Heber or Hebrew. And so we understand God had a purpose. God said, I didn't choose Israel because you were the greatest or the mightiest or the most noble. I chose you because you're the most hard-headed. And if I could get through you, I could get through anyone. Then we understand that every contemporary controversial issue is addressed in the first 12 chapters of the book of Genesis. And we're going to deal with all of them. Gender. The Bible made it pretty clear that God created male and female. And somebody else created the other 86. We understand the doctrine of marriage. 
One man, one woman. Look at your husband, if you've got one. Look at your wife, you got one. Yeah, they're the problem, not you. <laughs> sexuality, the whole place of sexuality and sex in life. It's not the perverted kind that we're seeing come through some of our uh, lower uh, level grade school educational processes. No, it's the true real kind of sexuality that God talks about. We understand the doctrine of children and the place they play in life. Social engineering is clearly laid out in Scripture and what's wrong with that and how that works. Transhumanism, which is an era we're entering into now, that's clearly laid out in Genesis chapter 6 through 9. We're going to deal with that. And, of course, the big one, evolution. Has it ever occurred to you that it's odd that evolution follows the creation pattern of the Bible? And it culminates with man? It's just a ripoff and eliminate God. We're going to talk about that. Well, let me give you the message for today. And I want to begin with this thought. The Word, the Word existed before the creation of the world. It's a bit of a trivia question, isn't it? What was before God created? And you'd say, well, God. Of course he was. Let me give you a scripture. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So now we understand something about the Word. This is not the Word, the Bible, as much as it is the living Word, which is Jesus. And it says, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it says, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Do you remember in chapter 1, verse 26 of Genesis, it says, God made man in, let us make man in our image. And there's a plurality there, and yet he uses a singular Hebrew noun, Elohim. So you know there's something more to this God, Elohim, because he said, let us make man in our image. Who is he speaking of? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That image was far more than what you see when you look in a mirror. And then in John chapter 1 and verse 14, it says this, And the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. So what did God do? God took on flesh, was born among us. That was Jesus, fully God, fully man. The perfect man who paid the price for your sin and my sin. Because we couldn't pay that price. See, it's too late. We've already sinned. We've already separated ourselves from God. But Jesus said, I'm coming, and I'm going to die in your place. And if you put your faith in me and your trust in me, then you will be saved. You will be relieved from that penalty of sin. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11 and verse 12, it says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made from the things which were visible. So God just spoke the world into existence. He didn't show up on the construction site and find two by fours and dirt and gravel. He said, what shall I build today? He simply spoke it into existence. You see, God creates all things out of nothing. It's the Latin word ex nihilo. And it's the idea that he didn't start with pre-existing matter as the Big Bang Theory would presuppose. No one can answer where the stuff came from that created the Big Bang. I can. 
You say, well, that's just faith. Well, what's faith? Is, is, is science not faith? To say that, yeah, it just happened, we're not sure, and, and somehow that single cell grew fins and then a tail and then it dropped off and then they went to, to school and got a PhD. No faith in that at all. You see, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You see, time was created by God. Past, present, future, created by God. You see, eternity is outside of time. So we talk about eternity as the eternal now. It's always present tense. Never past, never future, always present tense, because time is a creature word. God created time in threes. He could have done it in fives. He could have taken dimensions and given us something totally different, but he did it in threes because he wanted us to understand something about his divine nature. You see, three is a divine number. Why there's three primary colors. Why there's three parts of who you are, your body, soul, and spirit. The, fa- the God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And on and on we could go with this number three because God's communicating with us. And God created versus made. In fact, the word create, it's a very unique word, bara in the Hebrew. It means to call into existence out of nothing. He has a different word he uses for make, and that is to form or to fashion something out of materials already existing. So when he made Adam and Eve, he formed them. He made them from what he already had started out of the dust of the earth, it says. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16 says, For by him all things were created. All things were created by whom? Him. That are in heaven and are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. So we understand that God created things that we can see, but God also created things we cannot see. God created angels, for example. We can't see angels. Now my wife thinks I'm one, but she assumes I'm fallen. Amen? The fallen angel. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. You created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. It's really interesting that in the book of Revelation, which during this time we begin to move in from chapter 4, then into 5, and then into 6, into this great tribulation period, and we see there's an angel that flies around the earth and announcing the everlasting gospel. And one of the things that the angel says to the inhabitants of the earth, remember, this is tribulation period. Christians have been raptured out of planet earth. One of the things that this angel says is it goes back to creation. God, the God who created all things. You see, when you depart from the idea that God is a creator God, what you do is you depart from truth and you're led down a, a road of philosophy that is apart from altogether the truth of God. God spoke, now listen to this, this is really interesting. God spoke the world into existence. You know, faith is otherworldly, isn't it? It just comes from somewhere you can't even describe. You say, what is faith? And try to define it. And yet when you have faith, when you see faith rise up and believe for something, you say that is just such a a unique thing, isn't it not? I mean, if we say, I can figure it out, we we relate to that. If we say, I can reason it out, we can relate to that. But where does faith come from? Faith comes from God. Psalm 33, verse 6, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, 
and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. Just think about that truth right there. You see, we sometimes hear this, have faith in what? See, faith cannot be subjective, it must be objective. People say, just have good faith. And I always say, in what? How about this one? I just think everything's gonna work out. I always ask people when they tell me that, I said, has that always been true? I mean, has your word always come true? Well, no, not really. I just have a good feeling about it. Well, I, I'm glad about that, but I'd rather have faith. But faith has to be in an object, and the faith is in God. God who was revealed in the scriptures, that's where our faith is. Now there's a scripture in Mark chapter 11 and verse 22. And if you look it up in your Bible, in fact, most Bible translations will translate it, uh, have faith in God. But if you look at the Greek, it literally says, have the faith of God. Have the faith of God. It kind of explains why faith is so out of this world and so supernatural, doesn't it? When you think about, did God have faith? He spoke the world exists. He believed it was so when it didn't exist. You see, faith is saying it's so when it's not so in order for it to be so. Faith is, is, is throwing something into the future that you walk into. That's faith. Faith is so trusting in what God has said that you refuse to doubt. Doubt is easy. Skeptics are easy to find. Find me a man, a woman, a boy and girl of faith. That's what's rare. But you show me those people and I'll show you people who change the world. They'll change their community. They'll change their household. They'll change their schools. They'll change places where they work and live. You see, faith is a supernatural declaration I declare something in Jesus' name. I declare in Jesus' name. Time and time again, people have been healed in this church. I was just on the phone just last week with a good friend in our church here, John Meredith, who was given uh, the diagnosis of stage four cancer. He was told to go home and say goodbye to his children. He had three months to live. John's with us today very much. We had two Muslim women who came to church. They wandered in accidentally, thought they were going to the post office. So the nice thing about having a post office that we rent space to is we can operate with this idea of Jehovah's Sneaky. <laughs> they came in, they thought they were going. The first thing they said was, is this a spa? Then they saw the prayer wall and then one of our prayer workers was there and began to talk to them and they, one of them began to cry and said, um, I've, uh, I've got a son who has brain tumor and they say he's going to die. They prayed and about three to four weeks later, the ladies came back in tears and the prayer worker was still there and said, uh, is everything okay? He said, well, we know that Jesus healed our son, my son, because the doctor said there's no explanation. They said, you're Jesus, you're Jesus. We can't come to church here because we're Muslim, but you're Jesus healed our son. You see, the miracles of God, they testify the power of God, the workings of God. You have to make a declaration. Sometimes we make a declaration, we pull it back off the table, say, I'm just kidding, God, I wasn't really that serious about faith. Leave it there. Put it back on the table and say, God, it's yours. 
I trust you with everything I've got. Do you know that words set in motion the hand of God? The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18, the words of our mouth are either life or their death. You see, if you curse the ground that you walk on, why do you expect you're going to have blessing? If you live in skepticism and doubt and unbelief, do you really think you're going to see the power of God in your life? You say, well, I, I've been thinking about God and I just don't think it makes sense. Well, a God the size of your brain doesn't make sense. I can't figure God out either. You know, when I was in college, I was a pre-law student, and as I began to study and study, and I began to read the Bible, and I said, if this is true, I'm in trouble. And as I pressed into that, I realized that God was not unreasonable. He just operated in a realm of reason beyond my human understanding. The greatest document of antiquity in terms of its validity is the Word of God. There's more proof that the Bible is true and Jesus rose from the dead that there is or was a George Washington or Napoleon, and this is based on historical data, not faith at all. How do you explain that? 1,600 years, three different languages, 40-some human authors, and yet there's a consistency and a prophetic dimension to the Bible that points to the reality that you can verify in historical documentation. You say, well, do you rely on that? I like that. But I believe the Bible. I believe it from cover to cover. I even believe the maps in the back. <laughs> Amen? Why? Because I've seen it work. I've seen God work. I know what God does. I've heard testimony from you and you and you and you and many of you of what God can do. And I don't know about you, but I want to see God do more. Amen? I want to see God do something in your life today before you even leave where there's a transformation, there's a miracle in your own life, whether it's a clarity of thinking, whether it's wisdom that comes. But I believe God has a word for some of you today that's going to be transformational. I believe there's going to be some marriages healed. I believe there's going to be some children come back. I believe there's going to be some jobs that are going to be birthed. That God's going to do something here in this place. I want you to stand with me right now. And I want you just to bow your head and just extend your hands before the Lord right now. And I want you to imagine in your hand that you've extended out, just hold your palms forward as if you're holding something. I want you to imagine right now that in your hand is what you're believing God for, what you're trusting God for. Whether it's an opportunity, whether it's a job, whether it's health, whether it's a relationship, just hold it in your hand. Now I want you just to feel the weight of it in your hand because it's big, it, it means something to you because you're holding it, because it came to your mind right away. You're holding it in your hand and now here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your hands and turn them upside down and release that thing to God. That's faith. Just turn your hands upside down as if you've dropped it. You said, I'm gonna quit carrying that burden. I'm gonna quit worrying about it. I'm gonna quit having anxiety about it. I'm gonna release this to God in faith. You see, faith is not worry. It's not anxiety. It's not stressful. It's simply release. I release it to God. I release it to God. Can you say, I release it? Just release it. All of this room, I release it. Until you release it, you can't see it. Until you release it, you cannot see it. 
Now, one of the great things that happens through faith is salvation. So I want to lead you through a prayer of salvation, a very simple prayer, and I want you just to pray it out loud in faith. It goes like this. Just repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you died on a cross. I believe you were buried in a tomb, that you rose from the dead to give me eternal life. Save me, Lord Jesus, right now. If that was your prayer in faith, you use my words, but your faith, I want you to know that Jesus did exactly what he said he would do, that he would come in and save you and bring you into the eternal kingdom. And now you can grow and prosper in your faith. If that was your prayer today, you prayed that prayer, would you just lift your hand with me? Just lift your hand. The Bible says, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. Just keep them high. Keep them high as a test, a declaration, a declaration of God's love and God's grace and God's mercy. God, I pray for all these people whose hands are raised. May you seal this decision in the power of the Almighty God. Father, may you bless them. May you guide them. May you, may you lead them in that perfect way. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.